Hello, and thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Damn Good Podcast, your one-stop shop for employee benefits and financial education in the hospitality industry, brought to you by Davidson Asset Management. I'm Alex Keddy, or AK55, your host and corporate benefit specialist, and each episode, I'm joined by an expert from a different field within hospitality. From restaurants to catering, luxury hotel management to regional operations, we're asking the big questions to help you, our listeners, arm yourself with the knowledge about the three R's, recruitment, retention and reward, and how employee benefits play a part in that. Who knows, we might even have some fun along the way. Welcome along to the Damn Good Podcast. Today we're joined by the guru that is Sean Wheeler. Uh, people and cultural consultant. Welcome along, Sean. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, delighted to have you along. And we're looking forward to hearing your words of wisdom later. Um, I thought we'd just sort of start off by, can you give the listeners a sort of potted sort of history of how you ended up in hospitality, HR, and a wee bit of background to yourself, if okay. that's all right. Yeah, sure. Um like most people, I kind of fell into hospitality. I wasn't a particularly academic at school, and so everything I did in my last year was everything I could do not to be at school. So work experience, drama, sport, you name it. Anything I didn't have to do, anything academic. And I actually got myself a, a work experience in a little pub in our town I live in, called, well, I used to live in, called Henley-on-Thames. And a um, part of the world. Yeah, no, it's part of the world. And um, the landlady initially started washing glasses in in the pub and then the landlady promoted me to starters in the kitchen um and i so i did that sort of week weekdays and then i ended up doing it on my at school day and i did it at weekends and then she said what are you going to do when you leave school i said i don't really know she said well you should go to college so she encouraged me to go to catering college which i did and um i went to catering college two years did an ond which i don't even think they do anymore and city and guilds and from that, I stay. I'm sort of found the bug. I found the fact that I really enjoy the fact I'm working, but having fun and learning at the same time. It wasn't particularly academic. It was quite practical, which suited me, and uh, that's how I started. Did Did you get any work experience in that course? Was that interesting? Because I know there's a lot of people talk about the need for getting people into courses and education. Sometimes work experience or a mixture could be useful. I guess. Yeah, it, I didn't get anything on that particular course. It was more. Um, it was more cooking. Oh, really? Old fat. I mean, nowadays it's much better. But it, honestly, we only made bread rolls and things like that, and bechamel sauce. And we did a little bit. When I left, I actually was looking for a job, and I actually get, and I worked with a company called Concord Hotels, which is like a management training program. And I did two years with them across many hotels across the South Coast. Um, portering, reception, waiter, kitchen, housekeeping, and uh, that was where I got my practical experience. Oh, a good grounding all around then. Yeah, so really good. I mean, I was on, I think I was on £30 a week then or something, um, living in, so it wasn't particularly huge wages, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, it was good spending money. Yeah. Loads of things, it was great. Excellent. And then did you decide that HR was a career that was calling no, or again how did you no no I, I again uh, left there it wasn't there was no guarantee of a job so I had to find a job and I'll be honest the only job I actually got offered was um, the uh, the Meon Valley Country Club in South in the Southampton which so I ended up as a junior junior trainee assistant manager 
I mean, I don't think you can get a longer title than that. Um, <laughs> Make your business card would struggle with. <laughs> yeah, and um, started off in reception, um, and did. Uh, then I moved into food and beverage, and did two years with them. I was only like, how old was I then? About twenty. And at the time, I thought, gosh, everyone had been there for a long time. I couldn't see myself going, so I started to look for another job, and I was funny enough a mini funny story I, walk, I got a job with Miss Selfridge which uh, believe it or not but in the they, they were just start opening this is pre-Starbucks and Costa they were opening coffee shops in their sites around the U their big sites around the south um, so I was applied for the catering manager job at the age of 21 I think and um, I got that job. I, it's funny, quick story. I walk, I don't know about you, but I've never really go into ladies' shops. No um, comment. <laughs> no, and uh, my first experience, I walked in, I was so nervous. This lady came up to me and said, can I help you? I said, no, thank you. No, and I walked out. And then I thought, oh, my God, I've got to go in because I'm going to apply for a job. So I walked back in and the lady said, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm actually here for a job. I actually got the job, which is incredible. But I'd never, ever walked into a lady's shop on my own at that age. I was I, quite intimidated. I've only been intimidated once on that and it was when I went to get a present for one of my uh, ex-colleagues who went into Ann Summers and that was a, <laughs> uh, that was an, that was a quite a scary experience oh, yes. but that was intimidating yes yeah exactly <laughs> so I couldn't believe they gave me the job anyway I got I amazing I did two and a half years with them they had no scooby of um contra of food because they were shop retailers but I ended up looking after five coffee shops across the UK one in Leeds Brighton Southampton um, and one in Chelmsford in Essex God knows why it was in Essex Chelmsford Essex but and I loved it so I ended up looking after five and we had total freedom of menu and service and you know in those days there wasn't lattes and everything it was strong or mild coffee that was a choice that was a choice <laughs> and I like that I like that I'm always confused when I go into these um, actually it's intimidating yeah. going into a coffee shop well, <laughs> yeah it is now you need a degree don't <laughs> um, and from there, I got approached actually by a guy who, who came in and said, and they were opening TGI Fridays in the UK at the time. And somebody must have seen me on the counter and said, look, we're opening one locally just outside Southampton. Would you like to come along and see what we do? So I went up to Covent Garden, had a, a day there, and I was blown away by the um, the service levels and how different it was. This is, I'm talking like 1987, 88 then, unique to the UK at the time. And um, I got a job, which was great, opening, helping them open the, uh, as another a junior assistant manager. Anyway, kind of went back a step and um, opened the one in Fairham, just outside Hampton. Then I could move me to Reading. So I was in op my background's operations, really, ho um, food and beverage operations. And um, did I did nine years with them, actually, altogether. And because I'd done two openings they, and we were growing, they said, oh, you're quite good at opening, so why don't you become the opening manager? So I did openings. Um, then I had a car accident and I, I was driving from, I think, I can't remember now, somewhere like Scotland to Essex and I had a car accident so I couldn't drive anymore. So then they said, right, we'll put you in a store. So they put me back into Reading and I became the GM of Reading what? Um, and did that for a couple of years, went back, became head of training for them. And then my last job with them was operations director for the London and the M25. And in those days, Covent Garden and Haymarket were doing something like 300,000 a week between them. We're talking like early, late night, uh, early 80s, late 90s, um, the other way around, you know. Um, and um, I thought not after sort of eight or nine years, I thought, oh God, I need to do something different. Well, that's, that's ex you know, terrific to hear someone actually going in at that young age. Yeah. Because one of the big, issues I guess is trying to get youngsters to go into hospitality now you know sometimes they say oh well we'll go in go and do some you know student work if they're at university and they maybe do three or four months whilst they're on uh, vacation 
Um, but it's great to hear that you actually found your, I know you said you fell into it, but you actually found your vacation overall through there. Yeah, I did. Terrific. And yeah. I think what it was, I was also very blessed. I had people that had faith in me and trust in me and they gave me that chance, that kick up, which I've always felt, we'll probably come on to that. I've always felt that's my, what I'd like to do now with people is give them that step up and opportunities as well. So that was that was what it was important. I, the guys, the people who mentored me then, are still mentors of mine today. So Tony Hughes, who brought TGI Fridays over to the UK, I still speak to him. And, he, you know, 40 years, nearly 40 years later, and he still sends me books and you should read this. And he's like mid-late 70s That's now. Yeah. Never never too old to stop learning. No, so amazing. It's, it's really terrific. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so then you moved on to... Um, so, so then, I yes, I moved on to... Um, so I then thought, well, I need to do something different. And... Um, Tony Hughes had moved then to a company called Bass, which is a big pub company now called Mitchells and Butlers. They were um, decentralized. They were creating a lot of food brands, such as they had, they had Harvester, Toby, All Bar One, Browns, Vintage Inns, um, you name it. They they were creating food. The pubs were very known for just beer in those days. So mm -hmm. he wanted to create mm -hmm. a food arm, which I think a number of pubs have survived because of that um, and he, he rang me he sort of knew I was looking and he said what are you doing I said well I'm looking for another job he said well you're quite good with people why don't you give it a go why don't you become an HR person I said oh I've got a Scooby what that means but he said so I'll give it a go and I became HR manager of a brand called Vintage Inns uh, which is one of the uh, Bass brands and it's still going today which is great and did five years with them. I think we opened something like 300 pubs in that time, which is incredible. It's amazing, yeah. Um, I mean, HR's gone through such a, I mean, it used to be personnel, wasn't yes, it? All the different sort of yeah. things, but HR, yeah, of course. Um, so he, yeah. again, he gave me that chance. And and then I thought I better do some, get some qualifications. So I actually go did go back and do my CIPD. I, um, I'm part qualified, I never finished it. Because incredibly <laughs> hard when you're working full time, traveling, I was doing a thousand miles a week practically, um, on a, in a car. And um, so I thought, well, I, I need to, so I then did five years with them and then I stayed with them and I became the group guy for all the restaurant groups. So all but one Browns, Toby, Harvester, uh, not necessarily all very sexy brands, but mm -hmm. you know, great, I mean, great volume and, and huge good learning. Yeah, learning yeah. And learned very much how to do things low cost, no cost. Because um, <laughs> we had no cash. So it was, <laughs> you know, we had to become very creative, which Lean. was great, yeah. 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 Um, oh. And then on the back of that, I got approached to join Malmaze on Hotel Divan. I'd, I'd, funny enough, in my TGI Fridays days, I'd met Robert Cook because um, I opened the one in Glasgow in 92. Mm. And um, Robert was at the Queen's Moat House as deputy manager then. Uh, with Stephen Carter as GM, Gosh, and I nice. and so um, I had a, we had a mutual friend because I um, and so I got a room at the, the moat house and I thought I'd made it because when I arrived I had a fruit bowl in my room. I thought <laughs> this is it. I've <laughs> made it. it. I made <laughs> I had a fruit bowl. I've made it. So I opened the Glasgow and kept in touch with Robert. And then when he moved to Mal he came back to Malmaze and our CEO, he contacted me and said, look, you know we we. We, he got he loved all the stuff we did at Fridays, all the unique things like the auditions and all the all the people stuff, which was what very much what I was involved with turning building sites into uh, these amazing restaurants. And um, he approached me to take on the role. They were just buying Hotel Divan at the time, so I joined him and helped merge, bring the two together, create 
um, and grow the brand. We had something like I think we had seven hotel, uh, seven yeah hotels at the time, and then we were, I think when I left we had twenty six. So we opened somewhere like four twenty in four years, which Perfect. is incredible. Yeah, um, keep you busy. Mad, and that's when I got, met you guys. That's which right. Was great. That's, that's the start of our relationship. Nearly twenty yeah, years done. ago, so a long time ago. Yeah, terrific. My goodness. Um, yeah. So great time there. Recession came along, and it was tough. We but we kept going, and then I then I was approached to. Um, again, I was very lucky um, to join the Dorchester collection. So um, that was interesting because I hadn't got luxury experience. I had about 10 interviews. I had to go through the back door because I, I didn't wear a tie at the time. So they wouldn't let me through the front door without a tie on. <laughs> and I kept, yeah. Standard, I, standards. Yeah. And because I hadn't got luxury experience, they kept thinking, is he got this? He's polished enough. Is he polished enough? But polished. you know what? People issues are exactly the same, whether you're in a fives luxury store or in a pub. They're exactly the same, and you just maybe have more or less money to play with. Um, and really you, but you know, when you look after people, is exactly the same. To be honest, in all the all the different places I've worked, look after them, treat them with respect, dignity, give them some development opportunities. It's the same. I I couldn't agree more. In our industry, it's very much when you're dealing with customers, clients, or employees, you treat them just the same as you like to be treated yourself. I think that's a good adage. Like yeah, you can't go far wrong with. Um, yeah. I did a lovely five years with them. We Dorchester was like an oil tanker, you know. It'd been it's like I think it was in its seventy fifth year when I was there. So we did all the anniversaries. We had seven hundred people there. We opened Coward Park. We opened the forty five Park Lane while I was there. We had the Olympics while I was there. Yes. So we had an amazing time. Five great years. Um, but again, nowhere to go. And I was approached by some private equity guys um, and David guy called David Taylor, who's now the CEO of Law Group. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, to come and take on this new project, I'd always, I'd never done a brand brand new. I'd always gone in either at the very early stages of a, of a brand and grown it and helped develop it, but never had a blank canvas and said, okay, what do we want it to look like? What's the values? What are our people promises? All that kind of stuff. So I've sort of, and I thought it was fab, fab, you know, opportunity. So joined the principal hotel group. And uh, worked with David with Starwood Capital Private Equity guys, and we opened. We had um, some amazing properties, but they were very tired and very exhausted. I and I just come from the Dorchester, and I kept saying to myself, "Look to the future, <laughs> look to the future. It's going to be amazing." <laughs> and I, I was very blessed. I, you know, I had some. I knew a lot of people because I'd been in the industry a long time by then. So I sort of was promised, saying, "Come and join us. It's going to be amazing." But don't look at it now. But look at it tomorrow. Be part of this journey. Have this vision. Have to yeah. this vision. <laughs> so got built a great team. I have to say, brilliant team of people I'd worked with in the past and new people that came along. Long, David and I, um, and a guy called Simon Willis, and we took on and we opened. I think we opened. Um, well, we had twelve in the portfolio, and we got sort of seven open. And then Brexit came along, and they got mm. the Americans found uh, owners got scared, and decided to sell early. We made them a lot of money. They were very pleased with us, which is good. But it That's... was meant to be a five-year plan. It ended up being three. Um, and probably going to go down in history as the shortest hotel brand in history. We launched in July six, no November sixteen, and sold in July eighteen. Um, and they're all rebranded now and uh, into yeah. into another brand. So, um, but the the foundations, the culture, all that was amazing, and we had a great time creating something really nice. And we were just gonna, it was just gonna take off. But anyway. And that was that. And then I ended up consulting. So, you know. Um, How did you find that? I mean, that's totally a, a different, I guess. It's your own, as you said, blank canvas. And yeah. I guess you can take on the projects that you want. Or, I'm of an age now where my pension's kicking in. Thank, <laughs> thank you, guys. You've done a great job with the pension. That's a, that's a plug for it. The yeah. tenor wasn't put across. It's, <laughs> now, it's now up to £50, pounds, I think. Now. <laughs> and you did a great job. So, I mean, 
And I, you know, we'll come on to that. But I've always been a believer in you should invest in the future. And you got, you really did help me manage that journey. And I, you know, I've always been an advocate of what you do. We we'll come on to that. We do appreciate that. Um, and um, so I, I was an opportunity where I could get my my personal pension. And um, I thought, well, you know, I did a year integration. And then I thought, well, do I need another? Do I wouldn't? Do I need another big job? Or can I just enjoy myself a bit more? You know, I've got no family, kids, or anything, and you know, financially okay. So, I thought. So initially, it was to travel. This was November. This was October oh. uh, nineteen. Go traveling. Of course, COVID happened, so yes, no, it's... no travel happened. I booked loads of things. You know, lovely trips and everything. It all got cancelled, and a lot of them we're picking up now. Believe it or not, in twenty twenty for twenty twenty three. Why not? Um, so that was so I ended up picking up a lot of charity stuff um which um which i'm a great believer of giving back uh, that is one thing i do know you're yeah. heavily involved in mentoring yes. and all your sort of support work that you give to the industry is yes. super and non-industry as well you know i sort of do i've i've been a chair of an hiv charity that covers Berkshire and hampshire for nearly 30 years now next 30 years i think we should probably get rid of me and get someone new in soon but next next year i'll be 30 years i do a little bit with our local um, something called Meals for Marley, Tom Kerridge, and set this charity up during lockdown where they would deliver meals to disadvantaged people in the town. And so I deliver that. I do little thing down our little church. I do events to help because they, they needed to get more people through the door. And uh, I'm not particularly church goer, but I thought I would help them create a community space. So, you know, we have coffee mornings and art exhibitions. And we've had a thousand people through the door in the last 12 months, which is Terrific. brilliant. It's only Perfect. a tiny little church. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then obviously industry things. So, yeah. I, I um, So there are no holidays. You've no, no time for holidays. Actually, I'm busy as ever. My diary's full now, yeah. which is good. And I'm now I do lots of industry stuff. So I chair um, People First and AA College Re College Restaurant of the Year and coll Catering Colleges. I work with them to help make sure we're teaching the students the right things. And it takes me back to my days at college. Um, it, they're amazing. I have to say what they do now. I, I mean, mean, yeah. Whilst you've got, with all due respect, you and I are sort of longer in the tooth now. Mm -hmm. um, but when you look at the youngsters and what you went through, I guess you've got so much experience to tell them to to inspire them but also yeah. you can sort of show them what can be achieved if they yeah. really are um keen to follow that route which is tremendous yeah they're still i mean and with brexit and also with covid there is such talent in the uk that we still need to tap into so colleges are fabulous you know the the colleges we work with across the uk we're in, all in four countries they um, they are doing such an amazing job they're not they're teaching them practical skills life skills commercial skills i mean they are teaching these students to be incredible host hospitality professionals for the future so i'm very proud of what they do that's great and also you do your hr and hospitality oh as well. yes, yes yes i do i've just become the president of hr and hospitality <laughs> after jane suddenly after 20 odd years who did an it's amazing job, job did, stepped yeah. down so i they've put me in place so i'm hoping i will follow in her shoes in a good place yeah. which is good yes there, I, I never like to say women with big feet, but in big yeah. big shoes to follow. Big yeah. shoes, yeah, yeah not good. literally, but no, yeah, big, but in, in, yeah, 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 she's an incredible yeah. character. And again, yes. I've known her a long time, but Indeed. um, but no, and um, yeah, I hope so. You know, I've been very blessed. I've worked with some great brands. I've worked with some great people. We've won a few awards along the way. I think we won an award with you a long time mm -hmm. ago for an award for rewards many many years. Yeah, ago. I mean it's I mean it's a tremendous career that you've had, which is, and we're delighted to have you along oh. and you know, hope the listeners have found that really interesting. 
Um, I'd like to just move on to a question perhaps more about the hospitality industry. I mean, mm. the executive travel publication estimates there are going to be 46 new properties opening in London um, this year. And of the 5,500 new rooms, 2,500 are in the luxury market. Um, and my sort of initial question is, is the London hospitality market too saturated with hotels and restaurants with the challenges it's got? I mean, there's always going to be... The, I, I think there's always... People want choice and people want to try new things out. So I think as long as we can bring still bring people back to London, like we've start, they're starting to do now. I mean, I've never seen it so busy. It's great to see it busy again. I think there's always... a. As, I think if you offer great service, sadly they'll all open and a lot of them will close because they won't get that piece right, that people bit right, or that service piece right. You can't knock people's entrepreneurialism and their I desire. It's a fabulous market still. You know, we still are one of the top cities in the in the world for people to come and visit. So I think there is opportunity, but you've got to get your offer right. You've got to get the product right and you've got to get the people bit right. Um, absolutely. I think, I mean, that's that was my sort of premise of asking the question, just thinking about how many openings are going to be. And as you quite rightly say, the American market and the, the Far Eastern market's really opened up again. Mm. But I guess people will look for service, especially on the luxury side, they expect that service. And if there are demands, the challenges that we all know only too well about the recruitment and retention of staff, if that luxury sort of service isn't there, or even if you look at restaurants, and we know how costs have been impacted with the just the general cost of food and um, electricity and all the costs going up, I guess if there isn't staff to offer that service, then that is a real challenge for people. And ultimately, the cost of staffing, as the cost of the, the production of the, the meal and everything has to go on to the customer and yeah. you know at some stage if, if you're expecting luxury service then you expect to have luxury service and if you're not getting that then you know would there be other destinations but that was why I was sort of thinking is London you know with the amount of openings it is, it is quite a, a lot a lot There's of new a lot. openings a lot of new openings and I guess to make sure there's a, the talent pool is restricted in that respect especially after Brexit you know how do we sort of ensure that is maintained I think I, for me I think there's I don't think we've got well we have got a bit of an attraction issue still but we've done a huge amount of work on it over the years to improve the perception of working in hospitality um, I think challenge still challenging is retention issue um, people will always go to, you know people are always attracted to go to the newest thing as an employee there's there's a sort of a net people will love to do new openings and then they move on um, but but um, it's keeping them once they're through the door so you have to have a really strong what I call people promise and you have to c commit to it there's I've always been I've always been a great believer of three key things you have to do to be a good employer be brilliant at the basics and breaks basics to me are you know rotors out on time days off we work-life balance is absolutely critical these days you know rightly so people in my time you just didn't say anything kept your head down and you never knew when your rotor was well, there wasn't anything like internet in those days you just kind of got i think you got a phone call or you just turned up and said you're working tonight um but but that wasn't good but we just accepted it but today rightly so that you know people today won't accept that so balance is important so and one of the issues i find that people one of the reasons that people do leave employment is because they don't know when they're working so i think that's important also commitment to contracts hours i think we we are there has been that huge rightly so 
removal of zero hour contracts and people want guaranteed hours, even if it's flexible hours and they can work so many hours over a month or a year or whatever, I think that works better. But people like to know there's a, a regular income coming in. I think that's very important. And then other things, once you're in the job, you know, things like food and uniform and training and development and growth and respect and leadership is really important. And those are basics. I think they're basics. I, I think that's, you know, I, I, in our in the way that I, we work a lot with hospitality and we go in and we're privileged to go into work in these sort of luxury and also other hotels um, and restaurants. And it's surprising, you know, they get canteens for them. You know, there's canteens mm. for them with subsidized food and but I still hear people saying, you know, the food's not always necessarily up to scratch. And but I guess, you know, when I think about it on that respect, if they're going out, if they're expected to go and serve luxury service, and I'm talking about the luxury hotels here, more so in London, that, yeah, they will expect, you know, they go in the back entrance rather than the front entrance. It's funny if you mentioned about the, the tie and everything before. Um, going in, you'd expect those employees to be sort of treated kind of with a luxury as well to a certain extent, because they have to go out, they, they come in from their, maybe cycled in or whatever, or had a quick shower, get uniforms on, and then they go in and they're expected to immediately switch on to offering this luxury service to, 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 yeah. to their guests. I think because of my experience coming in, my daughter experience, I'm very conscious that you, you know, it's all about the right attitude and right personality. You can't really teach those in people if people are willing to learn i think the key you're absolutely right i think the key is you have to show them what luxury looks like and how and how you want it to be delivered so that in that initial induction that training um that buddying up with someone either um when we're at the dorchester they all got to stay in the hotel with their partners as part of their induction process they could experience and That's feel the experience tremendous. as well as the you know see it they could feel it um and um they could have dinner in one of our restaurants they could stay in any once they once they graduated from um, probation they got to stay they could have three nights in any of our properties free of charge as well that's but really important, I, yeah. very important that they get that really you know what i call best start and they get to know exactly what we're expecting about, yeah. and what we're about yeah. what we stand for what we expect from them um, and so there's no there's no grayness really as well. But also showing them, I think a lot of people, you know, English isn't their first or second language. So being very visual with them and guiding them and showing them, and um, I think that's very important. So we still need to do that, um, and I think that's that's important. So basics is really first first platform, brilliant at the basics. Second one is deliver your promises. You know, I see so many adverts and all this saying, come and join us, you're going to get this, this and this, and none of it happens. And you know what people are doing? While they're attracted to this place, they're attracted to the brand or the location, they're, have I made the right decision? So in their head, they're crossing or ticking. Yes, they promise this. Am I getting this? Delivering. Is it being delivered? Light days off together, light rotors. It is quite fundamental things. And that's if they don't get those they just go because as you just said there's so much opportunity out there if they're not happy they'll just go somewhere else so they have to they have to really get deliver their promises and the third one is live their values if they say that they are caring they look after their people and they are you know passionate about service or passionate about giving back to the community which is also a huge thing today for our for young people coming through um or and sustainability deliver that if you're not deli you know if, if they're not doing it don't promise it um so that's those are the my and i've 
those are those principles I've worked with in a number of different brands and different levels, but they seem to have delivered. I've pushed really hard to make them happen because um, I, you know, I've been lucky I've been in a place of influence, but I haven't actually been on the front line. So my job's been to influence and put tools in place to enable some of these things to happen. That's that's terrific, Sean. I wonder, um, when I think about it, I mean, I've also found that because of the situation with the retention of staff, um, I've heard even HR managers, but other managers having to get involved in certain things like housekeeping, you know? And I wonder if that's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen a series Back to the Floor or something where yeah. you basically, you know, the, the CEO goes all the way down and understands, it goes undercover and understands what's the driving force behind the company and what needs to be improved. But I wondered, just when people mention that, I always thought to myself, I wonder if the managers who have had to chip in in the front line, basically, because of them, because before they were all back office, but now they're having to chip in. I wonder if having to do things like housekeeping and food and beverage maybe will renew the senior management's sort of appreciation and value of their frontline staff. You know, I wonder if that, that oh, could be I, a bad I think so, yeah. I mean, by we, default, it could yeah. be a good way for them to we, see. Um, we, we had that at the Dorchester. We had it at Principal where we did a back-to-the-floor day where we all mm-hmm. went back every year. And we also had it at Malmaison as well. And I think it's important that the teams can see that you're still committed. I mean, we've always... I've always been a quite a flat. We've always quite flat teams. I know the Dorchester was different, but actually we've always been a very. It's you have to be there and work the floor and and show you you gain respect and earn respect by being there and supporting when needed. Um, and uh, so no, back to the floor is critical. I think um, yeah, you might get a bit of PR out of it, like the GM. You know, the Dorchester went off and did housekeeping for a day, did uh, valet and stuff like that for a day, and. I think I did a day in the pot wash and stuff like that, which was great. But it, but it is, but actually, it's really critical to show people that you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. As long as you don't have to go out and pick up that sports car or something, no. where you find out a Lamborghini, but you don't know how to get in the door. Uh-huh. If they get asked to go and pick up the car for oh, the guest, God. oh, it's a funny, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, um, but do you know what's interesting as well? We had to do some work with some of our long-standing employees as well because they got so used to. Um, I think they work so hard to get to head waiter or senior position that they weren't always very um, supportive of new people coming in because they'd forgotten what it was like to be a new starter. So we ended up having to do quite a lot of work with some of our long-serving people, particularly at the Dorchester, to show them actually that they are ambassadors of us. And actually, while it might be the manager that's managing them, the people they work with on a day-to-day basis will see more of them on a day. So we need their support. We need them to guide and support Fred, who's just joined us, who's n- never done this job before. Guide, support, and help. And we try to make them feel as though that you know they were they were very important. They are an important part of the business because they keep the keep it running. Um, so that was another level we had to work with as well. Those long-serving employees who felt that, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm too, I'm, I've been doing this for ten years now. Why would I carry a tray? You know, <laughs> things like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had to work with them as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I get the feeling that you don't think London's the market's too saturated, and there's still lots of opportunities. But is there any other areas in the UK? You mentioned your openings in Glasgow, and obviously with your experience of the Malmaison brand. Is there any other sort of areas within the UK? that you think the future of hospitality opportunities could be seen as a great opportunities in, within the UK? Any sort of areas that you can see developments coming? I mean, I I've just did a little project, well, quite a big project in Birmingham, and I think Birmingham is a fabulous city now. It's the second city in the UK. They've just done the Commonwealth, which was, you know, which was amazing. And I did some, I did help to open the Grand Hotel there, which was amazing. And uh, that's a fabulous city. Um, 
Manchester. I've been very blessed. I've worked in pretty much all the major cities, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Manchester, Aberdeen, um, Cardiff. Uh, they're, uh, they're all fab. I mean, even like with my pub days, mal days, door, um, and then principal days, we had properties in all of those cities. What, what you have to think about is what's making sure you target the right for the local market and don't be too like we're big London boys coming to your town and we're amazing so but trust us you have to really position it that you know we are it's a local we're here with want your local knowledge we want your local experience um, and I think that's really important and the wording the fact that you've taken an effort to get to know the area and get to know the people I think it's important we we always you know I think we learned the hard way with TGIs initially because we were like London boys you know coming in and we had to really regionalize a lot of things some of the drinks and menu as well we had to make it more relevant to the to the local market as well oh, very interesting yeah, yeah and, um and as we move on I mean we talked a lot about the importance of students and getting the younger generation involved in hospitality it's interesting McDonald's restaurants are saying that they are looking to the great targeting the gray-haired labor market ie the over 50s uh, who've retired obviously during COVID and perhaps have some great skills that you come back in and developing within hospitality um, there may be even a job for me flipping burgers, but I'm not sure I'd be any good at that. <laughs> I struggle with that one. But um, do you think that's um, something that you can see happening more of over going forward, I guess? Uh, I think, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, the economy, people having to work a bit longer because their pension's not necessarily where it should be. Um, the cost of living at the moment with fuel and everything else, people are having, you know, some people are having to carry on working. And in a good way, we've got, the, you know, the government got rid of the... Um, retirement age which I think is really good as well so people you know there's a lot of people with a lot of energy who want to keep going they're not ready to retire and I think good on them you know keep going if you want to they have they bring so many skills you know organization they're often I'm not saying other people aren't committed but they're often you know they do it because they want to do it and not because they have to do it if that makes sense they yeah. have an income but it maybe you want to top it up also it's an opportunity to socialize with people as well which they may not necessarily have now i think uh, that's really important sean i um, really do i think that you're right just the fact of having uh, you know interaction yeah keeps the brain ticking as well which is important as well yeah. um and i guess people could take a sort of you hear about youngsters taking sabbaticals you know finish university and take a sabbatical why not? You've been working for 30 odd years. Yeah. Whatever, take a wee sabbatical. You know, as you say, do a bit travelling yourself yeah, and then yeah. come back into the, the workforce. And yeah. hospitality couldn't be a better place really for it. And it, for us, it works as a recruitment strategy in a selfish point of view as damn advisors. I mean, it's a great opportunity because there'll be extra support requirements within the HR, um, especially when you have individuals who are perhaps coming to work and, as you say, are joining income and has complexities around how much they can actually then pay back into a pension and mm. all the the sort of technicalities that can involve. So you can see some consultancy on a selfish point of view, consultancy side for Dam on that as well. So, uh, yeah, it opens up opportunities in that area. I think there's loads of markets that the UK hasn't tapped into. You know, the whole diversity inclusion market is also massive as well. You know, we still we still need to become a much more integrated um, industry, I think, with some of that as well. And because, because we don't necessarily, if you look at uh, some of the the stats of some of our you know our employees we're not necessarily targeting the lgbtq community we're not targeting the black community or the um the you know the um disabled community there's a huge Absolutely. population out there of people that could 
come and work in our industry who would be amazing in our industry and I think we need to open our eyes to all the local talent that is out there and not just think oh we can't find anyone they've got to get out there and start talking and, and building relationships and how do you just how do you think again is ment would mentoring or bringing them in to get experience for a while is that the, is that the sort of key to give them the experience yeah. to see what the, but it's also for you as an employer to be able to see can they do the job as well so because there's all the adverts, and I know Kate Nicholl does a great job as well, UK Hospitality, getting the, the hospitality up there. But it still needs, as you say, the opportunities that are out there for the whole UK market. I think it's uh, at the work experience and that initial month, three months, whatever it is, um, is critical. You people, As I said earlier, people make or break their decisions. If you don't support and guide and make adjustments if you need to make adjustments and help them feel involved and inclusive and part of the family, they're not going to stay. So um, you can't always do what you, you know. You've got to open your mind and have different ways of doing things that are relevant to that uh, to to the market you're targeting. And um, I think people are now today uh, more receptive of being open. But you might have to make some minor adjustments, you know, to people. But actually, that's fine because again, um, you know, I, I'm doing some work with the Institute of Hospitality at the moment. I'm on their diversity inclusion committee, and it's incredible how undiverse we are still as an as an industry across the UK. Um, and so there's a lot more work. And going back to my earlier point that we grow, I'm always about grow your own, grow local mm -hmm. talent. Yes, we need to open the doors to all the talent that's in. Brexit's happened, COVID's happened. We've got to find. We've. I've always been a believer of grow our own, um, regardless of you know even from within. Um, but now we have to grow it from within the UK, and I think that's very important. And there's lots of untapped talent we need to get in to talk to. Excellent. Well, there's a plenty of food for thought where that came from, and I'm sure our listeners will be more than happy to get in touch with you, Sean, with uh, ideas on that. Um, yeah, you'd be, be happy to hear happy. from them. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just want to spend the last couple of minutes just um, talking about something that's close to your heart, the Walk for Wellbeing. Yes. Um, I think that's due on the 16th of October, Sunday yes. the 16th of October. And uh, do you want to maybe just say a few words and yeah, try and promote sure. it and encourage? I've been uh, involved with this. It's one of the things I've been involved with is mental health. And, you know, unfortunately, I lost my brother many years ago to mental health issues. Um, and it's, so it's been very passion of mine, one of my passions. So Craig Prentice and I, a couple of years ago, during lockdown, decided let's do a charity walk, which wasn't the easiest thing to do with all the restrictions and everything. But we did it. So this is our third year. This last this year we're doing it across four cities. Um, it's uh, in Glasgow, Manchester, Birmingham, and London. We're calling them hosted walks. They're all on the sixteenth of October, as you said, on a Sunday, twenty uh, k walk. Um, and then, but if you don't fancy a twenty k walk, you can also still do it in your local area. You can do as long as as short as you like. You can do pogo stick, take the dog out, mow the grass, whatever you want to do. Um, it starts on the eighth of October and it goes through to the sixteenth. Um, and it's all about um, helping people uh, raise awareness of well-being. You know, we're in a very uh, difficult world at the moment. Mental health is growing enormously. I think, you know, as I say, lockdown hasn't helped. Um, uncertainty of work hasn't helped. Um, financial pressures, you know, people, you hear all these horror stories about elect bills going up and people can't afford them. Lots of people got families and children. 
So we're, we're supporting Hospitality Action this year, totally. They are an amazing charity that do a huge amount for the industry. They give back to the industry hugely. All the money they, that, we, that they raise goes back to help people in the industry, past and present, who part, who've retired maybe, and now are on hard times, or are working, and maybe need some additional top-ups, or whatever, call it, they don't have sick pay, or whatever. So it's all going back to them. Um, as I say, you can do it at your own pace, doing the hosted walks. It's very easy to sign up. Just look for Walk for Wellbeing. Um, Hospitality Action are doing a lot of promotion on it. We've already got, um, we've already raised a thousand pounds. It doesn't start till October, which is fabulous. Yeah. And uh, we've got um, so many, some great companies and great individuals who are signing up for it as well. Um, so we're really pleased, and you guys are very kindly one of our, you know, sponsoring our Scottish approach, which is great. Indeed, indeed, we're doing the Glasgow um, part of it. So, um, and that ties in, as you mentioned, the financial well-being. We felt that, um, you know, just as you mentioned, um, cost of living that leads to stress and people's bills and debts. Um, so we felt financial well-being is very important to assist with mental well-being to avoid that stress. So. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um, we're delighted to be involved, as you say, with them. Um, and even if people can't participate, we're always welcome to donate as well. You know, yes. you can't make yeah. any donations. can't make donations or sponsorships available for those of you to get, kind of get involved. Well, as I say, you know, it's a great way of giving back to, to all the people that help you make your business successful. Um, so that's important. I've always been a great believer of... Um, Again, helping well-being. Uh, many years ago, we also we did some financial workshops, well-being workshops during the um, when we had um, the um, crisis of two thousand and eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah. We yeah, thought we can't. We have got no way to give any more extra money. How can we help? So we actually, you know, looked at what we could offer to make money people's money go further. Yeah. So we had, you know, the total salary statements. Yeah, we had reward total reward statements. Yes, the yes. The online shopping, the we everything gave helps. So it just helped money go further, and it worked really well for Terrific. us. So you have to be creative. But this is a great walk. I'm very passionate about it. It's one of my little projects this year. Great. Well, we hope to see as many people as we can on the sixteenth of October, or as you say, people that can't make it on the sixteenth, they certainly can go between the eighth and the sixteenth. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks again, Sean, for joining and providing your words of wisdom. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, to have a host, a guru like yourself in this uh, podcast and um, we'll be seeing you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Damn Good Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us reach more ears. You can follow us on LinkedIn on Damn Good Finance or visit our website at www.damgoodpensions.com. If you'd like us to put a question to one of our esteemed guests, please do not hesitate to get in touch. Until the next time, here's to your tomorrow.